my message today um, in honor of Joanne and Joanne's gift. I'm going to take a little break from uh, teaching on the Ten Commandments just for a little bit for this week. And I, I know Nancy preached last week, did a fantastic job, um, as always, as she always does, a very gifted teacher of God's Word. I want to teach on praise um, today. Next week we have the annual meeting, and after that we'll eventually get back into our uh, series on the Ten Commandments. Um, but right now my message is, is entitled, Yet Judah Prevailed, taken from Scripture, and I believe it's a powerful teaching for today. So I'd like to begin by today by giving a little bit of history on the nation Israel and how certain events in ancestral lineage help us to understand our response to God. In particular, I'd like to study the attention that's given to birthrights in early times. If you re- as you read the Bible, it talks about the birthright and how things are passed down to the birthright. And what does that even mean? Does it have any effect on us today? Well, I want to talk about this by reading a passage in 1 Chronicles chapter 5, verse 1. And if you stay with me, eventually this will all make sense and it tied into today's message. But First Chronicles chapter five, verse one it says, "Now the sons of Reuben, who was the firstborn of Israel, he was indeed the firstborn, but because he defiled his father's bed, his birthright was given to the sons of Joseph, the son of Israel, so that the genealogy is not listed according to the birthright." You see, for some background on this verse, Reuben defiled his father's bed by lying with Bilhah, his father's handmaiden. And then because of Reuben's act, he forfeited his birthright. The firstborn son in those days was usually given the birthright, which allowed him to have a double portion blessing from his father. The firstborn also carried on a blessing or a title or a promise that was passed through him. The twelve sons of Jacob were later given the title of the twelve tribes of Israel with the following notes. Jacob, whose name was later changed to Israel by the Lord, was told by God that he would be the father of many nations and many descendants. The tribe of Levi, Levi was another son of Jacob, the tribe of Levi was made to be a line of priests, giving them the duty of ministering before the Lord. And because of this holy duty, they were not given any land in Canaan as the other sons or tribes were. Jacob's son Joseph was given a double portion blessing when the birthright of Reuben was forfeited to him. This double portion blessing led to Joseph's two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim, being included as two of the tribes of Israel who received land in Canaan. Thus, it is noted that the genealogy is not listed according to birthright as had been the practice and pattern. Even though Joseph, however, even though Joseph was given the double portion blessing, he would not be the family line from whom the promised Messiah would come. So then the question is, which of the remaining brothers would be chosen to carry the promise of the Messiah in their family line. See, in this generation, it didn't go through the firstborn. There's someone else, another person. You might think, was it the second brother then? No. Why would this person be chosen, and who was it that would carry the Messiah in this family lineage? The answer is laid out in the next verse. 
First Chronicles 5, verse 2. It says, Yet Judah prevailed over his brothers, and from him came a ruler, although the birthright was Joseph's. Yet Judah prevailed. See, the tribe of Judah would be the royal line through which Jesus would come. But why Judah? Was he smarter? Was he stronger? Was he more holy? You see, when seeking to understand the plan of God, we need to look less at human identifiers and dig a little bit deeper. Judah was actually the fourth-born son to Jacob and Leah. But it is the name Judah that stands out among the names of all the other sons of Jacob. For the name Judah literally means praise. Genesis 29.35 says, And Leah conceived again and bore a son and said, Now I will praise the Lord. Therefore she called his name Judah. Why did Judah prevail over his brothers? Well, let me ask you. Why do we still prevail over adversity in our lives today? Regardless of the plans, the decisions, or the declarations of the world against God's children, praise will always prevail. What does praising God do? Praise changes the course of man. It alters the sentence that the world has written for him. It breaks through into heavenly realms. Praise is the voice of faith. It is the language of a heart that's sold out for God. When adversity comes against us, it is praise that breaks the shackles of tyranny. It is praise that sends the enemy packing and silences his feeble attempts to incite fear and despair. It is praise that always prevails. Why? Because when you praise God, you say, God, I'm not going to worry about what's going on right now. I'm not going to step into fear and doubt and confusion. I'm going to trust You. And God, I'm not going to tell You what to do. I'm just going to praise You and say that I love You and say I'm putting all of my complete trust in Your hands. And when you do that, God does something amazing supernaturally in the supernatural realms. He just wants us to trust Him that He can take care of all this mess that's going on in our world today. And we see a lot of it right now. But the answer is not going to be a man or a woman. The answer is always God. And the way we connect into that is we just praise God regardless of our circumstances. But if praise is the answer, then why do more people not turn to praise when facing challenges and trials and great tribulation? It's actually quite simple. The reason that most people don't praise God more often is because they don't feel like it. Unfortunately, there are many things about praise that most people don't know. First of all, praise is not based on a feeling, but rather an attitude and an intentional choice to praise God regardless of your circumstances. An attitude is how you approach life and what it brings to you or against you. If you keep an attitude of praise, this world cannot touch you. You will not be moved by circumstances. Do you remember the story when Paul and Silas were in prison? When they were falsely in prison for, for preaching the Word of God? And they were cut and bruised and in shackles? And they started praising God? 
despite their circumstances and all, and their, and their chains were released and all the doors were wide open because they're saying, God, regardless of my circumstances, I'm going to choose to trust you. And God moved on their behalf and on the behalf of so many other people because they simply praise God irregardless of their circumstances. Well, secondly, praise is more than just singing songs about God. In fact, praise does not even have to involve music or singing to be considered praise. Praise is a deep communion with God and one of the highest forms of prayer. Too often people associate prayer with just asking God for things. Praise is thanking God for what He has already given us and thanking Him even before the answer comes. In other words, praise is complete trust in the security and the providence of God. God, I don't understand it. I could go over a list, but I'm just going to choose right now to praise You because Your Word says that You know what I need even before I ask. And so as I praise You, I'm going to trust that You're going to take care of me. That's what praise is. Many times we do our songs in church and our hymns in church. We love the hymns. We love the singing. But we need to understand the meaning behind it. There's powerful things that happen when we praise God. You see, asking is conditional. But praise is continual. Therefore, it is our greatest advantage that we develop and maintain a continual attitude of praise. So how do we do this? Well, we're going to begin by learning what God teaches us about praise in His Word. In the Old Testament, there are different words that mean praise. Now, we see in our Bible it just says the word praise or it says the word bless, but there's actually seven different words in the Old Testament um, in, in Hebrew that mean praise. In fact, several years ago, a Christian recording artist by the name of Carmen wrote a song called The Seven Ways to Praise the Lord. And so I want to talk about these seven different Hebrew words, which, mean, which are translated as praise, but they all have different meanings. So when we're, when we're commanded to praise the Lord, we need to understand what we're being commanded to do. So I talked with Rich before service to try to get the pronunciation of some of these words, and so I hope I do okay. I understand the one part I can't do is the or whatever. Um, so Rich was trying to help me teach me the um, but I'll do the best I can. So the first one is yada. And Yadah's take, here's a, it's, it's throughout scripture, but here's one scripture verse that's in Psalm 9 verse 1. I will Yadah, or I will praise you, O Lord, with my whole heart. I will tell of all your marvelous works. The root Yad in Yadah means hands. So it is to lift your hands in response to what the Lord has done. To worship with extended hands. To throw out the hands to give thanks to God. If you've seen people in worship, sometimes I will do that. I, I'm feeling just a, this. I know other people do as well. So to worship with your hands. Okay? That's what that means. It is an outward expression of what is going on on the inside. I'm just going to lift my hands to God. It carries the meaning of an absolute surrender as a young child does to a parent saying, pick me up. I'm all yours. I think I shared this with you about a year ago when we first came. I think I did. I was in a church before uh, several years ago, and this, and this church was a very extravagant uh, in the worship, and a lot of people would raise their hands. And I was, we were first getting in there, and I, and I felt like I wanted to raise my hands, but I was so preoccupied about what would people think if I put my hands in the air. And so I just felt God say, close your eyes. And I felt God say, all right, 
when, you, uh, when you're ready, you can raise your hands. And so I was waiting and waiting and waiting, and, and uh, I, I felt God say, raise your hands. As soon as I raised my hand, somebody grabbed my hand. Scared the heck out of me. <laughs> I looked up, and there was a friend who happened to be walking down the aisle, and he grabbed my hand. I said, what are you doing? He said, God told me to grab your hand. Um, so, but to me, it was, what God was saying was, I want you to raise your hand. As soon as you raise your hand, it's going to be like plugging into an outlet. And as soon as you raise your hand, you're going to plug it into my power. That's what he, I felt he told me in spirit. So as soon as I did and I grabbed, I mean, it's almost like I got electrocuted. Um, but I, but I, I tell you that as a joke, but, I, but I, I believe God wanted me to hear that because there's power when we could just freely worship him. Now, I'm not saying that everyone has to raise your hands. But there is a, there is a type of praise where God says, are you willing to freely worship me? Are you willing to go out in the street and worship me? Or in the woods and worship me? Or at home? Are you willing to do that and not be afraid of what other people think? Whether it's by singing or just, or, or just coming to Him. So the yada is the word that means to praise God with your hands. Well, the second word that means praise in the Old Testament is Torah. So it's in a, a, a example is in Psalm 50 verse 23. It says, whoever offers Torah, or praise, glorifies me. And to him who orders his conduct aright, I will show the salvation of God. You see, Torah praise means to praise God despite the circumstances. It is praise that pushes through the walls that may be built up because of circumstances. Where circumstances crowd in your life and you just don't feel like praising God. We've all been there, if we're honest. I just don't feel like it. But that's when that power is just, it's just, it's just powerful to praise God. It's praise that's lifted to, he- lifted to heaven in our time of need. We all know that if we would just simply praise God in our time of need, that God would be with us. But many times we don't feel like it because that's the attack of the enemy to get you to not to pray, to get you to not praise God. To give worship by agreeing with what He has already done or what will be done. This word is commonly found in connection with sacrifice. Applying the giving of thanks as, and praise as a sacrifice of thanksgiving or a sacrifice of praise. If you remember the story of Jonah when he was swallowed by the whale, it says he gave a, a, a sacrifice of thanksgiving. Now, how in the world can you start thanking God if you're swallowed up by a whale? Because you know that God's going to deliver you. And if you think of this world that swallows us up all the time and swallows us up in fear and doubt and confusion, when we just simply praise God, we're not saying, God, thank you that I've been swallowed up. But God, thank you that you're with me and you're going to deliver me. That's powerful trust in our God. And it breaks through in, in the heavenly realms. It's also never too late to begin praising God. There are some ways that you that say that you only get blessed if you turn to God immediately or when trials hit. With this line of thought, many would never turn to God because our flesh's natural response is often to complain first or to cry first or to doubt first. But that's okay. When God brings that to your mind, then start praising God. Don't think, I already blew it, now I can't go to God. Yes, you can. You can always go to God. He's always ready. In fact, the Scripture says to pray without ceasing. That means we don't have to pray every minute every day, but it means God's ready at every minute of every day to hear from you. So if you've already missed it, or you've already blown it, or you've already sinned, don't stay in your condemnation. Start praising God. God wants us to come to Him. And we do that through praise. 
In other words, even if you have messed up a thousand times or responded negatively for a long time, it's never too late for you to turn to God and begin praising Him. It's the enemy that tells you you're a sinner. You're, you're condemned. You shouldn't do this. You don't have any right to go to God. God's ashamed of you. Those are all lies from the enemy. At any time we can go to God and He invites us to come to Him. Toda praise is thanking God for something that you don't currently have in the natural. It is choosing to agree with His Word, to have faith in His Word, not in what you can see or observe in the natural. The carnal mind would fight and ridicule this particular action. But there is great faith in Toda as praise. The attitude for Toda is, I'm choosing to thank God. I'm agreeing with God and I'm agreeing with His Word as He says it. I don't care what it looks like. I'm agreeing with what His Word says. Because we walk by faith and not by sight, we can thank God for the victory even before we see it. That is Toda praise. Toda also means a procession of worshipers or a congregation praising together. That, that as we do, we're not just singing songs because that's part of the service. We're coming together as the body of Christ, as a procession of worshipers, as congregational worship, and continuing to praise God. That's Toda worship. There is power in praise. Well, the third, the third one, um, that name is Baruch. Good, Rich? All right, thanks. Baruch. I'm going to take that example from Judges uh, chapter 5, verse 2. It says, When leaders lead in Israel, when the people willingly offer themselves, Baruch the Lord. Bless the Lord. Baruch simply means to bow in the awesome presence of the Lord. Some people talk about when I get to heaven, am I going to sing? Am I going to dance? Am I going to go see God? You know what you can do, but you can stand before a holy God. You're going to bow. You're going to drop to your knees. You may fall flat on your face because you're in the awesome presence of God. It is to simply be overwhelmed because you can hardly believe that you have been given favor by the Lord and His holy majesty. We bless Him by humbling ourselves in His presence. To kneel or to bow is Baruch. To give reverence to God as an act of adoration. It implies the continual and conscious giving place to God and blessing the Lord. To bow, kneel, or to do this with the intent in my heart that He is my King. He's not just my buddy. He's not just my co-pilot. I see these on, all over the place. This is my King. This is my Lord. And I am yielding to Him. I am acknowledging Him as King and as God. Unfortunately, in many churches today, that reverence is gone. And people just come to God like He's like I want to give Him a high five. No. He's our King. He loves us. He is our Father. But He's also, we need to revere Him and respect Him. We do that through Baruch praise. Psalm 103, we read this in our call to worship. Tells us how to bless the Lord or praise the Lord and then goes on to list those blessings. Psalm 103, verses 1 through 4. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless, or Baruch, His holy name. 
Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits, who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies. Baruch is a praise that is an act of adoration. It is the type of lifestyle that we are to be living, recognizing God as our King of His kingdom. Well, the fourth word is Shabbat. Shabbat. Psalm, it's taken from Psalms 145, verse 4. Again, it's many times, but here's one verse. One generation shall Shabbat, or praise your works to another, and shall declare your mighty acts. This is a shout of praise unto God. It is a public testimony that drowns out the noises of others' complaints and doubts and gripes and criticisms. Shabbat praise is to proclaim with a loud voice, unashamed, the glory and triumph and power and mercy and love of our God. I'm not ashamed to say that I love my God and I'm going to praise Him to the high heavens. Amen? I'm telling you there's power when we can do that when we're not inhibited by what we think people are going to think about us. That's what God's saying. Do you love me? It's easy to say yes, but are you willing to worship me unashamedly? That's Shabbat praise. This word implies that testimony is praise. The phrase, shout unto the Lord, can be understood as the action of Shabbat. It's not just being loud, however. It's an attitude of putting your whole being into it and being undeterred by what others think of you or how you are praising God. And if you're worried about how, what, what others think, then just close your eyes. Don't do it while you're driving. But just close your eyes and just praise praise to God. When David brought the ark of the covenant back into the city of Jerusalem, he praised God and danced with great joy in the procession while King Saul's daughter looked on and despised him in her heart. But David continued to praise the Lord and didn't let the judgments of others affect the praise he was offering to God. When you feel attacked by the judgments of others, it's time for you to give Shabbat praise to God. Let everything in your being cry out to God. Psalm 63, verses 3 and 4. Because your loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall Shabbat praise you. Thus I will bless you while I live. I will lift up my hands in your name. Well, the fourth Hebrew word that means praise is zamar. An example is in Psalm 21, verse 13. It says, Be exalted, O Lord, in your strength. We will sing and zamar, or praise your power. Zamar is the type of praise which most people associate with the topic of praise. Zamar is to praise God in song with any instrument. It is to pluck the strings of an instrument to praise with song, to make music with or without a voice accompaniment. Many times people think that we must be singing to praise God, but you don't have to sing at all. You can praise God with an instrument. If you look at the Psalms, especially the later ones, talks about praising Him on an instrument. That's Zamar praise. Zamar is to praise God with a piano or guitar 
or any other instrument in the same way that a singer praises God with words. Maybe you've heard this quote before. I love it. It's actually hanging in one of the buildings in Frankenmuth. It says, Bach gave us God's word. Mozart gave us God's laughter. Beethoven gave us God's fire. God gave us music that we might pray without words. Zamar is more than just a prelude, a prelude or a piano solo. It is literally praising God with your whole heart, whether you are singing or not. When you come in before service and Joanne is praising God, I know it sounds like a prelude, it sounds like she's playing quietly. She is praising God, getting her heart ready to give to God. And that's what we do with instruments as we praise God with our instruments in the same way that we sing a song as well. Psalm 92 verse 1 says, It is good to give thanks to the Lord and to sing praises to your name. O Most High, to declare your loving kindness in the morning and your faithfulness every night. How many of you begin your day and welcome your night by singing praises unto God? How would your life change if you began by doing this now? By just praising God. Yes, I can get to my reading and my scriptures and my prayers, but I want to just begin by praising God. Irregardless of the situation, I'm going to praise God and say, God, I trust you today to take care of me. Well, the sixth word is halal. An example for this is in Psalm 145, verse 2. It says, every day I will bless you. I will halal or praise your name forever and ever. Halal is to praise and to laud and to boast of and to celebrate. It is the kind of praise that makes you want to move or makes you want to dance. It just want, want to get you into rhythm. I said as, as David came and danced before the ark, it just want, he just wanted to move. In fact, we get a very popular word from the word halal. It is hallelujah, which means to praise the Lord with all, and, and, and just you almost want to move, almost like the Spirit is moving through you. The next word, number seven, is tahila, tahila, taken from Psalms one forty-five, verse twenty-one. It says the mouth shall speak the praise or the tahila of the Lord, and all flesh shall bless His holy name. Forever and ever. See, this is the biggest and most extensive form of praise because it's a combination of all the rest. Yet the most fitting application of Tehillah praise is a spontaneous new song that results from your heart just bubbling over with praise. Now there's times when we sing songs. There's also times when God just might put praise in your heart and you just start to sing spontaneously. Oh, Lord, I love you, Jesus. We, I thank you, Lord. You are so wonderful. I give glory to your name. Oh, Lord, I love you, God. I give you praises and honor, God. You are holy, Lord. It's just a spontaneous singing of God, and God sees your heart. It doesn't matter if you're on key. You're in God's key of love because it's going from your heart directly to His throne. It's a spontaneous form. This first time you sing it, it's spontaneous, it's Tehillah. Now you may sing that song again, which is another form of worship, but it's just spontaneous coming out of your heart and praising God. It's the praises singing from a melody in your heart by adding words to it. 
This refers to a special kind of singing. It is singing unprepared and unrehearsed songs. Singing it the second time would be zamar. But the first time, spontaneous, is tehillah. Tehillah praise brings tremendous unity to the body of Christ because we're singing directly to God. The beauty of tehillah praise is that we can move into tehillah at any time. You don't have to know the words. You just speak from your heart. It is the praise, it is this praise that God inhabits. Psalm 22 verse 3 says, You are holy enthroned in the praises of Israel. But there's also another extension of Tehillah praise. You see, there was, I'm going to tell you a story about Jehoshaphat. There was an army that was coming against Jehoshaphat. And so Jehoshaphat asked the Lord and said, should we fight against this army? And the Lord said, yes. I will give you the victory. Just take up your place. You won't even have to fight. And I will help you to win. Wouldn't that be amazing if God spoke to us now? I believe He is. We're doing all this fighting against the world and God is saying, just take your place and trust me, I will fight for you. And so when Jehoshaphat and the people did that, they obeyed the Lord and they just showed up to battle. And this is where they, instead of putting all their guns and their mighty men of war in the front, they put their singers in the front as they went into battle. Second Chronicles 20, verse 22 says, At that very moment, when the battle was about to begin, their singers were in front. At that very moment that they began to sing and give tequila praise, the Lord caused the armies of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir to start fighting amongst themselves. As they praised God, God caused them to bring confusion and they destroyed each other. And so God's people went forward. They didn't have to lift up their effort. Remember, it's not by might nor by power, but by, by God's Spirit, says the Lord of hosts. As we trust Him and as we praise Him, God takes our, out our battles for us, but we need to trust Him. To heal a praise can be used for war, or for us, for spiritual warfare. The bottom line is that no matter what we are faced with, or blessing or adversity, we have the constant opportunity to lead and to respond with praise. Deuteronomy 28.7, one of my favorite verses in the Bible, says the Lord will cause your enemies who rise against you to be defeated before your face. They shall come out against you one way and they will flee before you seven ways. The one way they come against you is your mind. They try to attack, the enemy tries to attack your mind into fear and doubt and complacency and criticism and negativity. But when you praise God, the enemy goes, sends out seven ways, which means the seven is a number of completion. As you trust God, God will take care of your battles. Psalm 16.11 says, In your presence there is a fullness of joy. At your right hand there are pleasures forevermore. Praising God puts us into God's presence. And it drowns out the world. All of us are facing great things at this time. I know it. And there will be more things in the future. But if we can learn to praise God and to trust Him, then our praise will prevail. First Chronicles 5.2 again. Yet Judah prevailed over his brothers. And from him came a ruler who was Jesus. If praise made a way for the Messiah to come to the people of Israel and to us, how much more will praise make a way for the Messiah, for Jesus, 
to move in your heart and to move in your life and to heal you in the process. Heavenly Father, we thank You for the power of Your Word. We thank You for the power of praise. Lord God, wherever we are at right now, whether we have messed up, You know where we're at. I come against shame. We come against fear. We come against doubt. God, forgive us for our sins. Cleanse us from all unrighteousness so that we can come boldly to the throne and to praise You right now to come into Your presence. We thank You for the gift of praise. We lift up Your name in Jesus' name. Amen.